Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. This is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard your safety. They will lift you up on their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is written, Do not test the Lord your God, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The word of the Lord. Right there, let me move this over. This is my official water stand here. There you go. That's great. Last week I was holding it. This week I'll just put it on the stand. Hey, how are how are you all this morning? It's good to see you, the, the few, the proud, those who aren't fishing. Yeah, amazing. I'll tell you. It's going to be a family reunion here uh, later this month when everybody returns from their outside activities. So that's a good thing. So last week we started a brand new series entitled The Idol Factory. And you might recall that uh, we identified that idols are produced in our hearts. Um, There are temptations, um, there are influences in our life. Uh, that seek to draw us out of alignment with God, out of alignment with God's will, out of alignment with God's purposes for our lives. And there are many good things that Satan would use um, and elevate them uh, to God-like status in our life. And those become idols. And you might recall we identified three different kinds of, of idols that are manufactured in our heart. And these are broad categories. There are many that fall into each of these. But the first um, uh, is love idols, things that compete with our affection, things that um, threaten um, to usurp God things that want to be seated in the throne of our heart and life. 
things that want our allegiance, allegiance that only belongs to him. So those are love idols. Uh, then there are trust idols. And uh, trust idols are things that we place our trust in for our salvation, things that we believe can save us. Right? Um, those are false gods. They're counterfeit gods. And yet there are those trust idols, things we put our trust in rather than God. Where do we run to? Who do we look towards? Right? Well, there's all kinds of counterfeits that say, come here. Come here. I know what's best. I'll protect you. I'll, I'll, I'll save you. I'll, I'll help you. Right? Those are, those are uh, trust idols. Uh, things we run to. Things we think can save us. Now, we may not admit that, but our actions say that sometimes. And then there are the third type of idol that's manufactured in the heart, and that's obedience idols. Obedience idols. Um, who and what are we going to obey in our lives? There are competing ideas philosophies, teaching, things that are contrary um, to God's word, to what he has taught us, to what he has called us into, how he's instructed us to live. And the question is, who will we obey? How will we order our lives? How will we arrange our lives? Are we truth seekers? And if we are, then are we willing to follow the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life? That's Jesus. So three kinds of idols we identified last week. So the reason we're going through this series is because we want our hearts and consequently our lives uh, to be aligned with God's will and purpose for us. Uh, we want to be in right relationship with God. We want to be in right relationship with, with one another. Uh, we want to pursue the things um, that God calls us to pursue and prioritize our lives accordingly. Does that make sense? And so that's why we're going through this. And last week, I also identified uh, that we have an enemy. Uh, his name is Satan. And he is identified as the accuser of the brethren. He brings accusation against us. He is uh, the father of lies. He's a master of deception. And oftentimes he seeks to deceive us, not through things that are ugly or things that we would naturally be repulsed by. But what he wants to do is he wants to take things um, that God created and intended for good. He wants to distort them, corrupt them, pervert them. And he wants to seduce us with them. Okay? So he is a, a master at deception and a liar. When I um, graduated from the Sheriff's Academy... 
way back in my early 20s, okay, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, okay? It's hard to imagine. I mean, I'm going to tell you a story now that's soon will be like 40 years old, okay? That's amazing. Anyway, when you graduate, you're gung-ho. You want to get out on the street. You want to, as they say, um, hook and book, right? Arrest people and fight crime and do all those things. And so in my agency in Los Angeles County, what they would have us do is they would put us in the county jail. And there were many jails in the jail system in L.A. County. But there you kind of cool your jets a little bit, right? And uh, you mature, you're seasoned, you learn um, about um, crime and criminal elements. You learn the language of the streets. You learn all kinds of things there that actually prepare you to make you a better patrol officer. So you get assigned to the county jail, and I was assigned to one of the facilities. And one of my assignments was uh, the reception area. So uh, anyone, any prisoner that, that came in or left the facility came through this area. You checked people in, you checked people out. And, uh, you know, you had to be really sharp because it would be really easy to make a mistake there. You, that's a place you don't want to make a mistake. So one day I was there and there was an elevator that came and it opened up and there was a group of prisoners that got off the elevator. And uh, they were big guys. Uh, several of them have come down from, from state prison uh, for some kind of court hearing or trial thing or another appeal or something. But they were really, really big. I mean, you know, they ate a lot of carbohydrates and lifted weights all day. That's what they did. They were big, imposing, um, physically just, man, it looked like professional athletes, these guys did. But there was one guy with them, and he was a short slide of build. I remember his head was shaved. Uh, very, very thin. And as I got off the elevator, there was a bench, and there was only room f- uh, for uh, just enough people to sit on, but not for everybody. And normally, the, the kind of the biggest guys would go take their seat on the bench, and the smaller guys would go sit on the floor somewhere. Okay, it was kind of, that's how it worked. Well, these guys got off the elevator, and, the, and the, the biggest guys, they went and sat on the floor. And the one guy, the smaller, kind of little odd-looking, peculiar guy, he went and sat on the bench all by himself. All right? Now, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to recognize that, hey, there's something not right here. This is out of the ordinary. This is highly unusual. And so, being the uh, aspiring investigator that I was at the time, I wanted to investigate. So I walked over to all these guys, these big guys, man, they're like NFL linemen, linebackers, they're sitting on the floor. I said, hey, what's up? How come you're sitting on the floor? There's room over there on the bench. And I say, listen, we don't want to get near that guy. We don't want anything to do with that guy. I go, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, we're not quite sure, but there's just something about him. We want to stay as far away from him as we can. I said, Whoa, right? So I walked over here to the bench where this guy was sitting. 
And I kind of came to the end of the bench. I remember I, I put my leg up on the bench like this. And kind of my, my, you know, I kind of looked at him. And I said, hey, what's up? How come all those guys are sitting over there and you're sitting here by yourself? And he looked at me and I'll never forget. He said, you know why. And I go, I do? He goes, yes. You're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yes. And then he said these words. My master can't have you. I looked at him closer. And on his forearm in big letters, he had tattooed 666. He was a Satanist. Okay? And so I said, oh, so why can't your master have me? And he began to quote scriptures having to do with people putting their faith in Christ and having salvation and protection from evil. I mean, quoting scripture, chapter and verse. And I was like, whoa, right? Now, this wasn't a, a power encounter in the sense of, of, of spiritual power. It was, but really what it, what it was to become was a truth encounter. So then I began to share with him scriptures I knew about the devil, about judgment of the devil and all that follow him, and about punishment. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know those. He began to quote some of those too. And I said, well, then tell me. Help me understand. So why in the world do you want to follow Satan? And he said, there's three reasons. Number one, he gives me everything that satisfies my flesh, my appetites. I get all the drugs I want. I have all the women I want. And he went on to just a litany of things, carnal things that, that he craved. The lusts of the flesh, Right? He gives me all those things. He provides them for me. All right. And then he said the second thing. He said um, that I know I'm, I'm doomed to go to hell. You know, the lake of fire for all eternity. He goes, but my master told me there's two kinds of people. Okay. Those in hell that are shoveling coal and those that are cracking the whip. And he told me I get to crack the whip. So, oh. I said, but your master's a defeated foe. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, to the glory of God the Father. And he says, yeah, I know, but the third thing is it's, it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Okay? Real encounter. Kind of gives you chills, doesn't it? All right? 
Now, these guys over here sitting on the floor, they didn't know what was up. But they, there, was, there was something about this person that, was re, that, that they didn't want to be around him. They felt threatened by him. Okay? He had been deceived. He had bought into a lie. And he was given a share of the promises that the enemy deceived him about. It reminds me of James chapter 2, verse 19. It says, you believe there's one God? Great, good for you. Even the demons believe and shudder, right? Even the demons believe and shudder. Uh, And so the issue with this man wasn't belief in God. It wasn't um, anything about that. It wasn't even truth in the sense that he, he could quote Scripture. But it really was, what was he going to do with the lies that his enemy, or the enemy, Satan, his master, had told him? It's like there was this battle going on. and In fact, at one point, I said, you know, it's not too late for you. You can repent. You can call on the name of Jesus. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. He said, no, no, it's, it's too late for me. Even God can't save me now. Wow, what a deception. I'll never forget that. <laughs> 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking or looking for someone to devour. Okay? Looking for someone to devour. It's a very sobering scripture, but it's causing us to be alert to the lies of the enemy because he wants... He wants to devour us. How many of you have ever seen someone eaten by a lion? Well, I've had a lot of experiences in life. I have. I worked at the L.A. Uh, the LA Zoo. And I was a tram operator and a tour guide. And I showed up for work one Saturday morning. And they said, Todd, did you hear what happened? Well, no. Africa's been shut down. I go, what is it, a coup? I mean, Idi Amin was around in those days, you know. And, no, 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 that, not that Africa, right? Africa, you know, in the zoo. So, well, why is it shut down? They said, well, last night after the zoo closed, someone hid and stayed behind, and then they climbed into the lion enclosure. And they found him this morning. Okay. Well, later on, I saw pictures. And I'll never forget, there was a a, a part, a bone, a large bone, that you could tell the the lion had just gnawed away at. I mean, just gnawed on it. And it was a really grotesque, I mean, that image is in my head, and I don't mean to upset you, but this is what Peter's talking about. He means to upset you. Because that's what... The enemy wants to do to us in the spiritual realm. Do you see that? It's supposed to be something sobering. That's the picture. 
In the deception, Satan uses the idle lies that he uses um, are many, and his desire is to eat away at our faith. Just as a lion eats away at the flesh of its, of its victim, right? Whether it be human or another animal, Satan desires to eat away at our flesh, or excuse me, at our faith. And he does it, and he uses lies to do it. Some of them are subtle. Some of them are, 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 are just pretty obvious, and yet all of them are his attempts to lead us astray. His attempts for us to unseat God in our heart and produce idols that usurp God's place and authority in our lives. And there are basically kind of three categories these lies fall into. Are you ready? And we're going to see them even in our scripture today as Jesus is tempted by the devil. The first is who you are. Your identity. He wants to get at your identity. He wants to bring lies and deceptions around who you are. The person you are. If you're a follower of Christ, if the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Behold, the old is past. All things have become new. Um, Galatians 2.20, uh, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And there's this whole sense when we come to faith in Christ, we are given a new identity. We are new creations. We, we have, our citizenship has been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Right? And yet the enemy would seek to deceive us about that. So who you are. The second is whose you are. Who do you belong to? In other words, who owns you? The thing about idols, when they take root in your heart and their life, they take ownership of you. Right? They compete for your affection. They compete for your trust. They compete for your obedience. Who owns you? Who do you belong to? Scripture says, you, if you're a follower of Christ, have been purchased with a price. It's the blood of Christ. Your life is not your own. Therefore, glorify God with your lives. I belong to Christ. I'm his. My life is no longer my own. And once I rightly align my thinking and I know who I am and I know whose I am, well, the third thing that the enemy wants to do is he, he wants to, to, to deceive you into what is your ultimate purpose in life. I was created by God and, and for God, but what for? To fulfill his will, his purposes. But the enemy wants to deceive me about that too. And there's plenty of voices that constantly come at us that seek to distract us or lead us astray. Grab for all the gusto you can. You only go around once in life. Be the best version of yourself. Well, I'll tell you something. The best version of myself apart from Jesus Christ is a, is a version that's sinful 
that's broken, that's incapable of saving himself. Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for me because the best version of myself wasn't enough. And without him, I'd be destined for an eternity with Satan and all his demons and all, all his demons and all his followers. What's your purpose in life? It's to be fully the person God created you to be. It's to seek God's wholeness, his healing, so that you can be that person. So in our passage today, Luke 4, 1 through 13, the enemy, Satan, is going to be tempting Jesus. Now, before we get into that passage specifically, I want you to look at three scriptures. Number one is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This comes in the context of Paul writing about Israel. And he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you can learn from Israel's mistakes. And in the context of that verse, you know what Israel's mistake was? Idolatry. Idolatry. Believing lies about who they were and who God intended them to be. Believing lies about God. And believing lies about their purpose, ultimately, as a nation, as a people. And Paul says this. He says, beware when you think you stand, lest you stumble and fall. And then he says these words. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, what is that way out? He's faithful. He'll provide a way out. Well, I want to show you Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. The author of Hebrews, talking about Jesus in his office as high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus, in fact, is able to empathize with our weakness. He is able to empathize with our struggles, with the temptations that that we're battered with constantly. Jesus knows and Jesus understands. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Okay? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Okay? Wow. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. 
and he will flee from you. Now let's look at the verse, or the verses in Luke. Because certainly we see Jesus submitted to God, we see Jesus resisting the devil, and we see that the devil flees from him. Now, to understand the devil's approach and what Satan is trying to do in chapter 4, you need to look at chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus. And in chapter 3, beginning in verse 21, and this comes right before what we're going to read about Jesus as he goes off into the wilderness to fast and to pray. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you I am well pleased. Okay? So then you're going to find a genealogy of Jesus. And then we move right into chapter 4. Okay? So here's Jesus at his baptism. And we're going to look at the inauguration here of his ministry and everything that he's, he's, he's going to be going out. But he goes, interesting, for 40 days into the wilderness. It's kind of like Israel spent how many years wandering in the wilderness? 40, right? And they gave in to all kinds of temptations, the worst of which was what? Idolatry. And we'll read about that next week. But here's Jesus. And we look here in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, now this is key, full of what? The Holy Spirit. If we're going to stand up to the enemy, if we're going to stand up to temptation, if we're going to keep our hearts in a good place, if we're going to uh, keep away from the idols that compete for the lordship of our heart, we can't do that in our own strength. The biggest guys in the jail were sitting on the floor while the smallest guy took sole possession of the bench. How come? Because in an odd way, in a way they couldn't articulate, they understood something. That in all their human strength, they couldn't compete with a power that was greater. But the scripture says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so if we're going to resist idle lies, then we have to do what? Be full of the Spirit. The Spirit of truth. Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. So he was full of the Spirit and he was what? Submitted to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. God calls us to do the same. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 
He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. So Jesus had physical needs. He had a need for food. He, he was tired. He was, and that the enemy comes at us when we're what? When we're weak. When we're vulnerable. When we're susceptible to his lies. And then look at verse 3. Here's the first temptation. The devil said to him, now notice, what is the devil attacking? If you are the Son of God. What is that about? It's about identity. It's about identity. If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, people do not live on bread alone. That comes from Deuteronomy 8.3. How did Jesus respond? He responded, in the fullness of the Spirit, having been led by the Spirit, he responds with the truth of God's Word. The truth of God's Word. Let me say it another way. Here's what the devil was saying. Surely you should feed yourself. You have the ability to. Surely you can feed yourself. Go feed yourself. But what's the temptation? The temptation is to question God's provision and care. You see, he was led there by the Spirit. And where where God guides, God's going to provide. But the enemy wants to tempt you. He wants to say lies to get you to believe that God is not going to provide and care for you. You need to do it for yourself. Life is defined by doing God's will and depending on God's leading. To follow God is to live. The question is, Where do we look to find life? Okay. Then, verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. In other words, I'm going to give you all the power that, that these possessions represent. You could have them all. I'll give you anything and everything your eyes see and desire. Right? What does Jesus say? And he said to him, or or the enemy says to him, I will give you All their authority and splendor, it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Verse 8, Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. Again, what does Jesus do? He combats... The temptation, he combats the lie. 
with the truth from Scripture, from the Word of God. Essentially, this is what he's saying. Jesus, surely the Father wants you to have all these things, so just give me your allegiance. Who is Jesus? The Son of God, the Messiah, Savior of the world, right? All those things, incidentally, belong to him anyway, because all things were created by him, for him, and in his hands all things hold together. So the lie was to seek after something that that God is promising to give you, that really belonged to you anyway. Do you see that deception? Man, he's crafty, isn't he? Worship Satan and abandon loyalty to the Father. That's like that guy I talked to in the jail. Satan desired that Jesus excuse himself from all that is ahead in ministry in favor of immediate gratification and quick access to possessions and power. And you know he does the same thing with us too, doesn't he? Do you know what scripture promises us? That we are co-heirs with Christ in the riches of the kingdom. God's promised that. That's ours. But the enemy would say, no, 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 no. Settle for, for immediate gratification. For the cravings you have. Let me satisfy those. Now. And in doing so, We risk losing all that God has promised. Satan's proposal is a delusion and a lie. And then finally, as we read on the third temptation, Jesus answered, it is, uh, it's okay, 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 let's go into here. Verse 9, the devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Now, what has Jesus done with the first two temptations? He's quoted scripture. So now what is the deceiver, the enemy, going to do? He says, ah, he's quoting scripture. I'm going to try to use scripture to trick him. Since he's into the word, I'm going to use the word. Okay? So he even twists the scriptures, truth. He cherry picks. He proof texts to try to deceive Jesus. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Because what did Jesus say with both other temptations? It is written. You see that? Man, he'll stop at nothing. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Now, 
Whenever you read something in the Word of God and someone attempts to use that to twist it to get you to do something but it's contrary to the Word of God, you need to pay attention because a lot of people are led astray by a single verse here or a single verse there and they create a whole theology around a verse. That's how cults are started. Okay? But we look at the whole counsel of the Word of God. If someone misquotes or attempts to misapply a scripture, then I can assure you that there is a supporting text in scriptures that support the truth that the scripture is trying to communicate, not to support a lie or a deception. Jesus answered, verse 12, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. In other words, listen, you've wrongly quoted that scripture. You are misapplying that scripture. And God would never tell me something and then ask me to do the opposite. Right? Don't do that. And what we see here is the, the lie is surely God will protect his son, so why not try him? You put God to the test. And when we put God to the test, it's a sign of a lack of faith. I don't want to ever be in a position where I force God to act on my behalf in an effort to control God. Because when I do that, who do I become? I become God. You see that? So in the end, verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. There would be more to come. Okay? For now, he left him. But then I want you to see something. Is that immediately after that, Jesus goes to Nazareth, And in verse 14 of chapter 4, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee where or how? In the power of the Spirit. He went to Galilee the same way he went into the wilderness, with the power of the Spirit. And so here is an example that how we can resist idle lies of the enemy that seeks to grab a hold of our heart and create Idols. We need to respond like Jesus. Number one, we need to respond in the power of the Spirit. Number two, we need to respond with confidence in the Word of God, the whole counsel of God's Word. And three, we need to follow God's leading. In the power of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, confident, And God's word and what it has to say about who we are, whose we are, and what our ultimate purpose in life is. God provides a way of escape. His name is Jesus. The one who is the truth. The one who is the only source of life. Don't fall for Satan's idolize. Amen.
Amen.